welcome back to the podcast. It's Joel here, and I'm glowing after the closing ceremony of our summit yesterday. I was deeply touched to hear from people and to feel the community spirit. The summit's been incredible. I don't know if you were part of it. If you're listening now, you might have been really engaging in the summit. You might not know what it is, but um, yeah, I was really touched by uh, the community that gathered around the summit, the people that feel called to respond in these times. So thanks if that if you were one of those people. And so this is going to be the last episode for a little while because we're going to take a summer break. This is episode number 64. And it's been a little while since I recorded it, but I know it was a good one. And it's with someone that I've been really enjoying learning from uh, just by reading their work and listening to some of their trainings, Judith Blackstone. And Judith is the creator of the realization process, which is what we're going to talk about today. And what I like about her work is that it's it's um, it's kind of combining non-dual work with a deeply embodied trauma-informed healing. And I think that's just great that these fields are coming together. So Judith will do a short meditation today and we'll talk about the realization process and some of the finer points of working with people in this way. Just a, a quick heads up, the neuroscience of change early bird will be um, happening in the next few days. So if you're someone that's passionate to stay informed about how the latest discoveries in neuroscience are informing how people change, then you can stay in the loop by heading to our website, coachesrising.com forward slash neuroscience of change. Then you can um, put your name in the sign up box there and stay in the loop. And um, yeah, I'd really appreciate it if you like this podcast to leave reviews and to share it. Um, so you can share it on the individual podcast page at coachesrising.com forward slash podcast. You'll find Judith there. You can leave reviews in various places, but it really helps us spread the word. I'm keen to just get the word out. And um, I'll be bringing more coaches in again in September. I know the last few are, we're talking about coaching. We're talking in a broader sense about human development and change and yeah you know it's time to bring a few more explicit coaches in as well so i hope you have a wonderful summer i hope you're doing okay considering these times we find ourselves in and i'll be back again soon but without further ado here is judith blackstone so judith uh, it's great to be with you today how's things things are wonderful thank you yeah good good I'm excited to be talking with you today. We're going to be talking about the realization process, and I've really enjoyed um, your your book. I was reading Trauma and the Unbound Body, and really enjoyed that. And I think it's um, really important work. I see, you know, emerging in the world, people who are working with um, awakening and and healing using yes. what you call fundamental consciousness. And I think that's really important. So we'll we'll get into what that is. Um, Maybe I could ask you, you know, I, I just said before we started recording, um, you probably get asked this a lot, but I think it's a, a good place to start. Like, how did you come to create the realization process? Uh, you know, of course, there's a, there's a short version and a long version of that. Uh, it actually started with my own healing. I, I had been a professional dancer when I was young. And I injured my back very badly, wasn't able to dance. And uh, so I, I, uh, had to, I, I had to focus inward in a very deep, subtle way in order to, to heal myself. And uh, that began the discovery of these more subtle levels of being, first the energetic level, of course, and then even this ground level of consciousness. And because I was teaching dance to make the to make a living, I had people coming to my loft uh, to work with me, and I began to teach them these very subtle uh, discoveries that I was making about these more subtle realms of the body. And that was good because the work began to develop right from the beginning, not just in response to my own 
difficulties, but also in response to other people as well. Uh, so, uh, so it was, began right from the beginning to have that kind of range of application. And then from there, I did all kinds of body work. I studied psychotherapy. I lived in a Zen monastery. I went to India. I did all kinds of uh, spiritual exploration and found that this very subtle level of consciousness that I had found in my own healing process had actually been written about and approached for, for thousands of years. Yeah, nice. Um, I appreciate what I like about that is that it was a kind of intuitive discovery. And I think there's something important about that. And, and then, of course, it was backed up by years of study and, and, and research. But there's something about that when you discover these things by yourself that feels important. Did you feel that too? That I feel that very much. That that one thing I I never doubted it. I mean, I didn't know what it was, so I appreciated reading various traditional explanations of it. But I never doubted that we could uncover this ground level of ourselves because because I had experienced that, and also the my necessity for healing. The fact that I was, you know, my back was in pain and. You know, I wasn't as, as agile as I had been. The necessity for my own healing really kept driving me forward and, and making me really examine everything for its, for its validity, everything that I, everything that I found. Mm. Yeah. Well, maybe you could say what the realization process is. And, you know, you're, you said um, working with this energetic level and, and the ground level. So I imagine we'll, you know, flesh out what you mean by those in that conversation of like, what, what is the realization process? So at this point, the realization process is a series of attunement practices for uncovering the very subtle, I'll, I'll say dimension for lack of a better word, a very subtle dimension of consciousness that we can experience pervading our own body and at the same time pervading everything around us. And that means that it's the basis of both our individual wholeness and our contact with our individual being and all that that reveals internally. And at the same time, in the same exact way, it's the basis of our oneness, of our own being with everything around us. So because of that, because it both reveals our internal wholeness and our oneness, it is both a, a method of psychological healing, of relational healing, and of non-dual spiritual awakening. Non-dual in this context just meaning unified, unified uh, spiritual awakening. Yeah, so um, so many ways we could go right here. I, what I really like is that, um, you know, there's all kinds of spiritual practice that um, really doesn't work with the body or with, you know, you work, you write about how, working with trauma and, and the, the kind of um, energy patterns that are stored in the body. And um, I, what I like about this, when I read about your approach is it's very inclusive and um, whilst being very deep, it's very human as well. It's, it's entirely human. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure there's anything else for us, you right. know, but our humanness really goes to an extremely subtle uh, and we can even say transcendent level. Uh, but it's, it's always our, our humanness. And because we begin in this work with inhabiting the internal space of the body and letting go into fundamental consciousness, that ground level of our being, from, from within the whole internal depth of ourselves, uh, it, it is a it is an embodied practice. It is it does cultivate and enhance all of the uh, all of the functions and capacities of our humanness. So our emotional responsiveness, uh, you know, we have more and more access to it in an unobstructed way. So our and, and here's here's something uh, first. This fundamental consciousness, when we uncover it because we do we unveil it we don't create it we unveil it when we when we discover it within ourselves and pervading our whole environment it's an unbroken level of ourselves it's really just it's experience of space it's consciousness that's experienced as space spaciousness 
And because it's space, it can't be injured, it can't be broken. And that means that when it pervades our whole body, we can allow our emotions to flow uh, as deeply as, as they do, whatever our actual authentic responses to our environment, without being at all shattered by those responses, because we always know ourselves as this unbroken, unbreakable ground of fundamental consciousness. So in inhabiting our body and knowing ourselves as fundamental consciousness, we get to the depth of our emotional responsiveness, the, we get to the fluidity of our, of our thoughts, our understanding and our creativity, our intuition. Everything flows more deeply and more easily as we know ourselves as that unbroken ground. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Um, I think there's a lot more we can say about what, why that works or what happens as we, you know, as we um, reveal ourselves as fundamental consciousness and how that supports this healing. But I would, maybe it's good first if you could kind of, how do you guide people to see or experience this spaciousness um, within their body and, and outside? Like, because that might seem a foreign idea to some people listening. Yes, yes. It sounds even abstract, and yet it's the least abstract experience we can have. It's, it's entirely experiential. And it begins, as I said, the realization process is a series of attunement exercises. So it begins with actually inhabiting the body. And that's quite different than being aware of the body. So we're not doing a body scan. Uh, we're not, you know connecting our, our mind more to our body, but we're actually living within the body. And we do that very simply by first feeling that we're within our feet and letting ourselves really experience ourselves there. And then going through the whole body, living within the body, and then living within the whole body at once. And then attuning to the space outside of the body and then experiencing that the space inside and outside the body is actually the same continuous space or can be experienced that way. Again, I'm using the word space because that's how it's experienced, but I'm meaning consciousness, right? That same mm. spacious consciousness outside the body and inside the body is the same. Now, very important, this attunement to fundamental consciousness is not yet the realization because fundamental consciousness is, uh, is uncreated. We don't need to do anything in order for it to uh, in, in order for it to exist, but we do need to open to it. We can't just simply say, well, all right, it exists, so that's who I am. We actually need to uncover it. In order to do that, we need to let go, not just from the surface of ourselves, but from all the way through the internal depth of ourselves. So that's why we start with inhabiting the body. The deeper we inhabit the body, the more deeply from within, we can let go of ourselves into that dimension of fundamental consciousness. Now, as well as inhabiting the body, we also in this work attune to a subtle vertical channel that runs through the torso, neck, and head. And this channel is well known in spiritual practices. It's called Shashumna in Hindu yoga. It's called the central channel in Tibetan Buddhism, so it's, it's so it's a well-known uh, internal, innermost depth of ourselves. When we reach it, when we contact it, we can more easily enter into it. It's like a portal into that expanse of pervasive fundamental consciousness. So we do both things in the work, and all of the exercises of the realization process are based either on inhabiting the body or attuning to that very subtle channel i think uh, what you're saying is really important i i um i spent a long time doing like non-dual meditation practices and i did get benefit from them i you know it's not like they were wasted years but somehow it was like at some point they just weren't sticking you know so whilst in um you know in say experience of being with a teacher or meditation i could access the that state of spaciousness that you're talking about and that did in some way begin to soak into my my day-to-day -day experience yeah. but yeah. um 
it's like it was dissatisfying, you know, and, and I think uh, um, this idea of like going deep into the core of the body and, and having it like anchor in there is for me been a game changer in, in terms of like having the meditation practice or the, the you know, opening to that spaciousness actually begin to become more uh, abiding or, you know, so it's like as if there's, you know, it's both like you said, it's revealed, like it's immediately available once it's pointed out, but it, um, it's as if my, like my, my structure needs to reorganize and able to, in order to be able to kind of embody it. I think what you're saying is very important. I, in this work, uh, the realization process, it has nothing to do with transmission. So it has nothing to do with me or my state or being with me or with any of the realization process teachers. I mean, whenever we're with anybody, there's a certain amount of, you know, transmission based on our contact with each other. But that is definitely not the path to awakening uh, in this work. Um, and partly because of that, and also because it's not just something that we have to keep telling ourselves, yes, I am that, I am that, I'm that. Rather, we actually let go into it by contacting ourselves on this very deep level. Because of those two important things, uh, this is, becomes a, a lasting uh, transformation of the way we are. And it's not just something that we can go to in a moment and then, oh, good, I'm there, and now I'm doing the dishes, and of course, I'm not there anymore. But it's rather a lasting way that we are in ourselves and in the world, because we have actually probe that we've actually contacted ourselves that deeply and let go from that deeply within. Mm, nice. Yeah. Um, so maybe you could, I, I actually think at the end, it would be interesting if you would be willing to do a, a perhaps a short guided um, meditation for, so that we can experience this spaciousness and, and fundamental consciousness. Like one of the pointers that I really liked in your book um, was, was like listening from the sound in the room. I think that's the way you phrased it, you know, like, yeah, like, and that, that really opened up for me that I can actually, um, you know, this, this fundamental consciousness or consciousness is, is, is not like um, limited inside this, in, in my body, but actually I can listen from the sound rather than being a separate entity listening to the sound. Fundamental consciousness is experiences everywhere in our environment, in terms of how much environment we're experiencing, right? So I'm not saying it's pervading Venus, you know, that I have no idea. But in terms of our own experience, it pervades our whole environment as well as the internal depth of ourselves. Now, it's really important that we don't skip that it penetrates our own body. Otherwise, we're just uh, expanding outwards. And that's not that very subtle consciousness at all. But as it pervades both our body and our environment, we can actually experience that the space itself is doing the hearing. Once again, I'm not someone who says that, you know, we don't exist or, you know, there's sounds without a hearer or anything like that. We are the space. We are fundamental consciousness. We experience that as our very own nature, as well as the nature of everything around us. It's kind of hard to grasp with the mind, but it's not that hard to experience. So it's our very own nature. So as fundamental consciousness, we're hearing and seeing and all of the senses as fundamental consciousness. Yeah. And I think I want to, uh, you know, if there's anyone listening to this now who's like, okay, this just sounds far out. What you said before, I think is true. Yeah. It, actually, if you do the injunction, if you, if you sit and, you know, I recommend in your book, there's plenty of, um, really lucid um, guided kind of meditations that um, you know if you sit and do them you will start to get I think pretty quickly what we're talking about so yes. yeah I, I wanted to say that to anyone uh, who's listening who might be thinking what is this like, yes it does it sounds far out and in fact it, it is far out it's a it's a very extraordinary experience that to experience our own body is made of consciousness, for one thing, and then to experience even that the, the desk, you know, the chair, certainly the trees, are also pervaded by consciousness. 
you know, yeah. so that at the same time as they, as we experience them as solid, uh, we experience them as, a, as, in a sense, transparent. Not that we can see through them, but that they're permeable. Everything seems to be made of this consciousness. So it is a rather far out experience, and yet it's quite accessible to us. And, and that, I think, doesn't come across very well in the traditional literature where this is presented as the pinnacle of spiritual awakening. And maybe just because as a culture, because of all the work we've done or all our psychological work or whatever it is, I've found that pretty much everyone uh, doing these exercises does take a little bit of, a little bit of concentrated work, can, can experience this pervasive fundamental consciousness. And I, I, um, I want to ask you in a moment about the, the, this, you know, going back into the realization process, but just building on something you said there, uh, you know, the, the, um, you, I can't remember the words you used, but you said I, like everything becomes permeable or you can, and I think uh, that's something that's emerging in the world more strongly right now. You know, I see like different groups of people who are, you know, people listening to this podcast have heard me mention Heidegger who predicted the, um, era, the emergent era of a, um, of a fundamental attunement, um, yeah. an attunement to attunement itself. Yeah. And I see that happening now, you know, where people are like, okay, we, we actually need to develop these subtle capacities because of how, um, well, how healing it is, but how much it help, helps us access wholeness. I think yeah. that's key. And that, that wholeness is actually able, we're able to kind of respond then to um, complexity as well, the complexity of the world in a very different way. When, we, when we're working on this subtle level and we recognize ourselves on that level, and I, I think that's a really heartening um, um, thing to see that, it's a, that, that people are really becoming passionate about this around the world. I don't know if you see that too. I, oh, I do, I do. Uh, you know, the, you mentioned many, several important things there. Uh, one is, yes, I think people are beginning to discover uh, in, a more, in a more popular way, this fundamental ground, this fundamental consciousness. Uh, it's, it's as if the last century was focused on the energetic level, the flow and, you know, the thought findings in physics and in, also in psychology and, and bodywork of the, the streaming of energy, uh, the vibration of energy. And now this is an even more subtle level uh, deeper and more subtle than the energetic level, which, which may be the theme of, of, our, of our present, our, you know, our, our present time. I hope so. It's beginning to be recognized in some forms of psychotherapy and body work. Um, and of course, uh, physics has for a while been trying to uh, understand it and find the mathematics of it and so forth. And they haven't quite been able to do that yet, but I think they may be on the brink of that as well. So yes, I, I think it is. The importance of it, absolutely. Um, for one thing, we can connect with each other on, on such a much deeper level. So not just on the surface of ourselves, but really within the internal space of our own body to the internal space of, of another's body. Even someone we're just passing on the street, you know, not just our, our dearly loved ones, but, but anyone. We can experience that deeply. And right away, there's a sense of kinship there. No, you know, no matter what that person looks like or what they may represent to us, there's that deep kinship with them. And that has got to be helpful to, to our world situation. And then what was that last thing you mentioned was also very important, uh, the connection, the wholeness. Yeah, um, I was talking about complexity maybe as oh, well. Oh, complexity, that's right. Yeah. Complexity, because when we know ourselves as this ground, it really does allow us to let life pass through us, let life in without overwhelming us. So for one thing, that's very important for very sensitive people who are always overwhelmed really by the slightest thing, and I can certainly attest to that. But... But altogether, the complexity of our world at this point can be overwhelming, really, for anyone. And when we know ourselves as this unbreakable ground, we can encompass that complexity without feeling overwhelmed. And that means that we don't need to, to narrow our view. We don't need to protect ourselves from certain segments of that complexity. But we can actually hold it as, as a whole. 
Yeah, I, I think, you know, you mentioned that um, fundamental consciousness, this idea of the ground of being, all these different words pointing to this experience of consciousness, um, that it's, you know, in, it's kind of entering into therapy and um, uh, other, other places, I can't remember what you said, but I also think it's entering into uh, leadership and coaching now, you know, as well. And that's, yeah. that. you know, I think people are recognizing because of, um, you know, that, that, well, there's so many, so many reasons, but I think one is, and it, this ties back to the complexity thing that um, if I'm identified with my kind of, I don't know, we could say smaller self or my ego, which is kind of oriented towards maintaining itself and um, controlling and, and being safe, then actually, um, you know, it's, uh, it's quite difficult to, to heal myself from that place or to, yeah. to lead to my fullest capacity. But if I actually start to recognize this fundamental consciousness and, and open as that, you know, it's like, it's like just what you said. It's like, it's a, it's a, a resource, you know, it's like, mm. I am that, you know, I'm not, I'm not just this smaller self and, um, and, and so um, it opens up so many possibilities. And I think one being this healing um, capacity, you know, that if I'm trying to heal myself from my ego, from my small self, often it's actually coming out of a sense of lack, you know, or, okay, if I just make myself better, um, you know, then I'll be okay, you know, or um, you know what I mean? Like this sense of lack. And it, so yes. perhaps it's a good place to talk about that, you know, the, yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean, one amazing thing that we discover when we inhabit the body and know ourselves as fundamental consciousness is that we have actual self-arising qualities to our humanness that we don't need to create or imagine that we that are just there, that we continue to uncover the more and more deeply we inhabit ourselves. And one of those qualities and capacities, of course, is love. Love is just there in our body. This is a miraculous thing, I think. You, you know, uh, even if we're alone, we're not with anyone or anything we love, love just is right there in ourselves. So one thing, it's very difficult to not love ourselves when we feel love in our own body. And one of the main things that we're healing when we heal psychologically is that uh, deprivation, uh, that 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 finally arises in ourselves is a lack of love for ourselves uh, that causes us to lack confidence and limit ourselves in all sorts of ways. But when we actually experience love in our body, just self-arising as our natural being, um, we, we love ourselves. You know, that's a, mm. obviously a lovable being. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there we are. So in terms of healing ourselves as fundamental consciousness, uh, we, we uncover these basic qualities of our being, our, you know, our sexuality, our actual power within ourselves, very important because, of course, one of the main things that happen when we're traumatized, even, even in mildly traumatized uh, as young children, is we feel overpowered. We feel overpowered. We, we are actually diminished in our power within ourselves, our personal power, our agency, our feeling of personal strength. But when we inhabit the body, that actual experienced quality of power is right there. So there's no doubt that, that we have equal power to the other human beings around us. It means we don't have to be afraid of them. That we don't have to be overwhelmed. We can meet them as equals. This fundamental consciousness is a great equalizer. You know, puts us on the same level. So very often what we're healing psychologically is the tendency to feel uh, less than other people and to compensate for that by feeling above other people. But as fundamental consciousness, that all dissolves and we experience ourselves as being absolutely on the same level as other human beings. So our, our relational issues um, can really be approached in a, in a very healing way uh, also from from that aspect of ourselves, from fundamental consciousness. You said like we can experience ourselves as love or access power, you know, experience ourselves as power, perhaps. Yeah. How does that happen? You know, like, um, 
you know, again, I'm, I, I like to play the devil's advocate a bit, you know, for someone listening who might be like, well, like that sounds like just experience yourself as love, but how does that happen? Yes, we don't need to do it. It, it does just happen. And don't ask me how, you know, I mean, it's, it's like, how do we wind up, you know, with, you know, a head and two legs, you know, I mean, <laughs> you know, this is our, this is our given. This is our, our anatomy really is part of our, part of our birthright that becomes uh, squished, <laughs> you know, for, for a variety of reasons. But that love is, is, is innate. It's self-arising. It's just there, right? Same with the quality of our intelligence. Our intelligence actually has a feel to it. So that we, once we actually inhabit, and it's very simple, we inhabit our head, we can actually feel the quality of our intelligence. And then we really, for one thing, it's very enjoyable, very enjoyable. And we don't doubt ourselves, so we can, we can join the conversation with, with our fellow human beings. We regain the, the quality of our voice and the, our potential to speak and express ourselves. I don't know how it happens. I know how it happens that we lose those qualities. But those qualities that once we recover ourselves, they're just naturally there. And so you, you know, you mentioned intelligence in the head and is does does love have a, you know, a place in the body? Like would that be the chest or, yeah. Yeah, it's hard to grasp intellectually, but not so hard to experience. We attune to love mostly in our chest area and yet it's everywhere in our body. Same with the quality of intelligence. If, if, we're, if we've contracted in our head, then we have diminished our quality of intelligence. But once we inhabit our head, we find that quality of intelligence in our head, but we also can find it everywhere in our body. So really, I think the, the clearer way to see it is that specific parts of the body limit those qualities. But once we attune to them, once we open those parts of our body, then we experience them really everywhere in ourselves. So when we contract in our chest, yes, we shut down our ability to love. We shut down our ability to love by contracting in our chest, right? We, We close off our intelligence just that slightest bit by actually contracting in our heads. So those of us who grew up hearing, you know, don't be so smart, nobody likes a smart ass, (laughs) you know, well, we can actually comply with that message. Don't be so smart. Okay. You know, or if we have, and children are, of course, extremely perceptive to how they're being received, to how people are responding to them. If we notice that the things we say or the things we recognize around us are causing uh, shame or some sort of pain to the adult, the adults that we care about, then we will shut down a little bit in terms of what we notice and recognize what we express. So, so that's how we, that's how we make for what we sometimes will call the small self, but our natural full-size self is just waiting there to be, uh, to be released, to, to be free. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah. Um, it's funny, and as we talk about it, I feel like a sense of joy. Um, um, I, I wonder if that's some, I, like I'm just tuning into like, ah, oh, there, there's something very um, love, lovable or, or, or joyful about the, this teaching, you know, that um, it doesn't seem like work somehow, you know, like, although of course it's very subtle and you are doing work, it's like, mm-hmm. No, there's actually something very beautiful about it, exquisite. Yeah. This is our humanity. It is, it is exquisite. And when you say joy, that's another incredible thing about us. I mean, this is just who we are, you know. Uh, we have innately uh, happiness in our bodies. Now, I don't know why that is. You know, maybe science will, will be able to explain that one day. But there we, but we can find it. We can find that happiness in ourselves. Well, that goes a long way to helping us recover from depression, from chronic depression. Mm-hmm. We can actually find happiness by inhabiting the internal space of our body. I don't mean that's all we have to do. I personally think it's also important to 
to look at the sources of our depression, the sources of our anxiety and so forth. So to know ourselves in that way, to know what happened, but, and to know how we survived. But at the same time, we can be attuning to this instrument of our being, which is innately happy, innately loving. Yeah. Could, I always love to ask people how, how they work with someone, you know? So when you're, when you're with someone, like, what is it you're doing? What are you attuning to? Or like, you know, the journey you're helping them make. And I think it ties in with what we've just been talking about, you know, like there's both this sense of somebody like, you know, perhaps attuning to a sense of intelligence in their head. Um, but also, you know, I really liked how you wrote about, um, uh, I forgot what you called it, but it, but it was like this sense of um, tuning into the, the subtle energy of the contractions in the body too, yes. you know, and, and there's a kind of release that can happen. So perhaps we can talk about that for a little while. Um, yeah, absolutely. You know what? Yeah. I mean, one thing I, I wanted to say that goes back to when you were talking about leadership. Uh, so, uh, you know, the foundation of my work with other people is sitting with them in and as fundamental consciousness. And what we find there, because it pervades us both, is it facilitates a spontaneous healing interaction. And that just, that just emerges out of the space so that we don't need to come to the session as a therapist with an agenda uh, you know, with any kind of pre-planning or calculation, we can just sit there and see what emerges out of, out of the space. And that makes, that makes our role as healer much easier and I think also uh, more authentic. Now, just add and, something. Um, I, again, I think that's so important what you're saying. This is um, also um, this emergence in coaching of like non-goal-oriented work. You know, I'm not coming in and applying a method to you okay, we need to get to, 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 to that place, you know? No, I'm actually sitting there as spaciousness, attuning and following what's emerging in a sense. That's right, that's right. And that helps also the person that we're working with who's come to work with us. It helps them uh, access that spontaneous, you know, just what's up for them in the moment. You know, what's most important uh, can emerge for them spontaneously when, we're, when the healer, person in the healing role is sitting there as fundamental consciousness. So even if they're not attuned to fundamental consciousness, just being there uh, kind of held in that atmosphere of pervasive consciousness can help them uh, attune uh, more spontaneously to what's, to what's really true for them what's, and what's, what's really important for them in the moment. So that's the, that's the basis, right, is sitting there as fundamental consciousness. Now, there is a very uh, specific part of the realization process that works with uh, finding and releasing holding patterns within the body. We do that, you know, of course, that's psychological healing, but the main reason for doing that is that as we release those holding patterns, we can actually inhabit the body more fully. And as we inhabit the body more fully, we more fully open and know ourselves as fundamental consciousness. So it's part of the spiritual awakening process, as well as psychological, psychological healing. The constrictions are ways that we organized ourselves, mostly as children, certainly through adolescence. And sometimes if there's been really uh, deep trauma, even as adults, deep or chronic trauma as adults, um, the way we organized ourselves by constricting the actual fascia, the fascia is a level uh, of tissue that's everywhere in the body. It's like a, it's like a honeycomb, it surrounds all the organs and they even surround the cells. And through that level of fascia, we can tighten ourselves all the way through the internal depth of our, of our being so as not to receive the full impact of experience that seems threatening to us. I'm defining trauma here in a very loose way as anything that might be overwhelming, too overwhelming for the child or even the adolescent or adult to take in as a whole, right? So it can be something as simple as a loving face suddenly looking angry 
or being fed when we're not hungry or you know just the, the ordinary day-to-day -day events that pretty much every child faces and then of course some of us endure uh, worse trauma than that and in reaction to these small and large traumas we constrict the instrument of our experience now we also constrict to hold back to hold in what might not be met with approval so to hold back our own anger to hold back our own tears if we know that they're not going to be met with comfort or if we're told don't cry or you know boys don't cry or whatever it is you know to hold back our tears uh, to hold back our vitality if people are telling us you know sit still uh, so to hold in what's not met with approval so we also so we protect from what's coming at us and we hold in our own experience that might not be met in addition to that we constrict ourselves in compliance with with demands that are made on us don't be so smart right uh, what you're seeing isn't isn't true. Don't, you know, don't don't look at me like that. Uh, all all of these commands that I think, you know, even the best of parents will make at times, right? And the child will comply with that. You know, uh, don't talk so loudly. Well, I can hold back my voice just by constricting a little bit, and then it, you know, then I have a voice like this for the rest of my life. The thing about fascia is the tissues glue together they harden in the shape that we've constricted now they it doesn't do that right away but if we keep constricting in the same ways which we do we'll use the same lines of protection same lines of constriction for different circumstances and over time the tissues glue together and that simply becomes the shape of who we are right we're someone with doesn't feel much power we're someone who's a little difficulty loving or someone who's you know feels brain freeze let, let me make this just a little little more complicated okay there's two different types of these constrictions one is the chronic kind that simply the tissues have hardened and it's just always like that and the other uh, kind of constriction is a well-worn pattern that goes into that shape of constriction in certain similar circumstances, right? So anytime we see uh, someone in authority, we'll cringe just a little bit, but then we let go, right? So that's a well-worn pathway, right? So both those types of constrictions, we can release, and there are now many bodywork techniques out there for releasing these holding patterns. Uh, the realization process is a little bit different than a lot of uh, the very uh, popular forms of uh, body psychotherapy these days in that it doesn't work right on the nervous system with the fight or flight response rather it works with the fascia so really two different systems but of course everything is connected but in 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 focusing within these constrictions uh, we can focus within them in such a way that they actually move further into constriction and when that happens, so it moves along that same pathway, we can sometimes remember the event, we can feel the emotions of that event, and then when it goes as far as it goes, we can let go, and the constriction will unwind along the same pathway. So that's the, we can say that's the contribution of the realization process to these bodywork techniques. And it does take some subtlety of attunement, so we, pretty much need to be able to do that core work in order to attune that subtly within the tension that it moves spontaneously towards constriction and then but then just by a little bit of letting go it will release along that same pathway yeah i think that's beautiful yeah um i think this is where you talked about the movable mind in your book yeah where yeah and i was playing with this myself you know with um, accessing that spaciousness in my body and one of the places I've noticed that I hold in my body is in my jaw you know yes. so there's I think that can be common but there's like a tightening down a clamping and it feels like bracing against life in some way that's right. so I was playing with that process you just described of um, you know, feeling the constriction and almost it's like it's very interesting it's just like you described it's like the constriction almost intensifies yes 
as you feel it, and then and then there can, and then there's a you can like let go. There's a release. So. Release. That's yeah. right. So unlike some other techniques that are very similar but not quite the same, we're not uh, volitionally exaggerating the tension, but we're focusing within it so that that accentuation happens spontaneously. And I think the benefit of that is that then it tightens exactly along the pathway that we had used originally to tighten. And for that reason, it can really release in a lasting way. Then we inhabit the body. And so we're not letting go into, into nothingness, but we're letting go into this round of being, this fundamental consciousness. So right away, we're getting more of ourselves yeah. as we release. I appreciate that kind of nuanced point you just made there about we're not um, volitionally enhancing that constriction because, um, you know, there, I, I can imagine there's all kind of ways that the mind, um, we could like, you know, we're not quite getting it right. You know, we're, uh, we're trying, but it's actually a slightly different pattern we're overlaying. That's and in, right. in some sense, I get that we're actually really trusting that pattern, the, tr the wisdom of the body to kind of allow, you know, so again, we're not getting involved with the smaller self to make it happen, but we're allowing it to happen through its own intelligence. Yes, absolutely. And the very interesting thing is that then when you sit with someone as fundamental consciousness and they talk about themselves, the person who's come to work with you, they talk about themselves and the things that happen to them as children, as teenagers, you can actually see or kind of a see feel these patterns accentuate because there's nothing absolutely static anywhere in our being, right? We, we know that, there's nothing completely static. So when we talk about how, oh, you know, our father stopped loving us when we were four years old, you can actually witness a little bit of tightening of the constriction that that person made in reaction to that, in that circumstance. And that, that helps both the, the therapist, the healer, and the person healing to recognize how they organize themselves and let go of those patterns. Um, I think this is, I really love where we're at now. Cause so you could say more about that. I think the, is it that over the years, you know, you train the, the people that you train to do this too, that you've developed this subtle capacity to sense somebody as they're talking about a topic and how, you know, for example, um, something in their body might start to to kind of tighten or contract. Is that and and so you're you're sensing that you can get a. Is that is that how it goes for you? Part of the training is developing this uh, subtle range of perception, and it doesn't happen for everyone, and it's not absolutely necessary. You can you can be. A realization process therapist without developing that and some of some of the best you know senior teachers have not ever been able to develop that what we call the C feel mm. but if you can uh, as fundamental consciousness you can actually perceive another person's internal experience not by running it through your own body as many sensitive people do but over there in their body and that makes it, for one thing, much clearer who's experiencing what. And also much, of course, less exhausting that we're not just sitting there as a sensitive person with a person in pain, running all that pain to our own body, uh, which sensitive people often do just naturally, you know, spontaneously. But, but we're sitting attuned, inhabiting our own body with our own responses in the moment. And at the same time, we're, it's a, both a visual and a tactile in a way tactile across space. So we've been calling it see-feel. Where a person lives in themselves, what they're holding, even some, sometimes you can see-feel the ages that they're holding in their body, and certainly as the constrictions move further into constriction and release. So mm -hmm. that I do bring that into the training, although, as I say, for some people, uh, they just never get that because we're all sensitive in different ways. Right? This is something that came naturally for me, but it doesn't come naturally for everyone. Uh, it's not necessary. But, um, but I, I do bring it into the training because if we can do it, then it, it is helpful to be able to see, feel that person over there. Mm, yeah, beautiful. I think you just helped me get something a bit more because 
Um, this is something I'm passionate about. And I actually, um, people have often said, well, you can feel someone else in your body. And I, um, that's not quite the way it works for me. Um, I actually think the way you described it helped me just see how it's like I feel them in their body. That's great. That, I really <laughs> yeah. think that's much better. Right. <laughs> Because yeah. I was, and I was, so I was like sitting there and I, I was kind of practicing coming back to me, feeling me. Can I feel them in my body? And of course, it's also, there is information in my body about what it's like to be in connection with this person. But yes. um, actually, like what I sense is them in their body. Yeah. Them in their body. And people will often ask, well, how is that possible? How, how can you do that? Well, it's because there really does seem to be this element of fundamental consciousness pervading us both. And it's a, it's a perceptual field. Yeah. And, you know, if you listen to people like Daniel Siegel, uh, who, you know, the interpersonal neurobiologist, who mm -hmm. he's talking now uh, very much along these lines, you know, like actually that this sense of separation that we experience as human beings is when you, when you examine it from a um, neurobiological standpoint, it doesn't hold up, you know, it's like, you know, where is that boundary? So he talks about moving from me to Mui, like he has a funny name for it, but it's like, right. we're not, we're not, it's not like the, us as individuals disappears, but we're also very much connected and, and co, you know, in a kind of co-creation or, or, uh, you know, um, there's a deep intimacy in yes. yeah. between us. So. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, interestingly enough, this ability to see, feel someone cross distance is, seems to be something other than mirror neurons. Right. Because we're right. not mirroring this in our own body. Right. Yeah. So not sure they have yet found the, the basis, actually, live with a neuroscientist. So I'm, you know, kind of <laughs> privy to the cutting yeah. edge of what we know and we don't know. <laughs> yeah. But, but I don't think they've yet found... A, the neuroscience of that ability to perceive over there without mirroring it in our own body. Yeah. So this is something deeper than entrainment, you know, deeper than that mirroring. Yeah. Yeah. No, I appreciate that. Yeah. And I know with Daniel, he's influenced by some non-dual teachers, you know, or at least he's uh, friends with them, you know? Um, yes. So he's, um, he's on yeah, that. yeah. Yeah. So I think that's where some of that comes from. Um, let me ask you, I'd love to invite you in a short while to, to maybe we can start to end with a guided meditation, but what's, um, what's exciting you most about your work at the moment or like what's on the emerging edge of it, if anything for you, like I always, you know, like to go there, see if there's anything. Yeah. I don't know, you know, I mean, I'm still, you know, I'm still in the healing process myself. And so I'm working with, the, you know, extremely subtle uh, experiences of the, the strands within the spine and how we can access those. So in terms of my own process, well, I haven't yet begun to teach that. In fact, it took me quite a long time to teach this, um, this, uh, exercise that I just was talking about of focusing within the tensions because I thought, well, who's really going to be able to, how can I even put that into words? It was just a way I worked on myself. And then one day I had this lovely, sensitive client and I just thought, well, I'll try it with her. Well, she was able to do it, no problem. And now I find many, many people can do it. It's, it's not hard at all. So I may, you know, in the, in the very subtle explorations I'm working with now, I may eventually bring those out as yeah. well, you know. But uh, on the other hand, I'm also taking a little bit of a step back. And, you know, I have now all these beautiful teachers who are bringing the work all, all around the world. And so it's, it's very nice at this point in my life to be able to just step back a little bit and enjoy that. Yeah, yeah, beautiful. Um... And just to add, so do you have a practice where you'll sit and sit as fundamental consciousness and then, you know, it's kind of tune into yourself and, and see what's there, you know, and, and then it's become very refined over the, the years or, yeah. 
Well, I actually don't have to tune to fundamental consciousness yeah. any, anymore. Right. But, but yes, I'm, I am, you know, I do sit, uh, and not for the hours I used to, you know, years ago, but I do sit and work a bit with these very subtle experiences within the body. Mm, yeah. Great. Would you be willing to do a, a, a short guided I'll practice do for a us? a shortened version of it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. Sure. So this is, this is where I often start um, so that people uh, can, in, in case it's a new experience for them, feel the difference between being aware of the body and actually inhabiting the body. So for people, for people listening, rest your hands uh, on, your, on your legs, uh, palms down. And just take a moment to become aware of your hands. And in becoming aware of your hands, you may notice how warm or cold they are, or how relaxed or tense they are. So that's aware of your hands. And now enter into your hands. Let yourself feel that you're actually present, living within your hands. So that's inhabiting the body. And now we're going to, I'm going to do a shortened version of inhabiting the body, the whole body. So just as you felt that you could enter into your hands, take a moment now and enter into your feet so that you feel that you're actually living within your feet. Now you may need to let your breath adjust to being that far down in your body. Right, so that your inhale doesn't lift you up away from your feet. And now feel that you're inside your legs, that you're present and living within your legs. Right, so your ankles, your lower legs, your knees and your thighs. It feels as if you are that internal space within your legs. And feel that you're inside your hip sockets. Very thin, fine mind within your hip sockets. And just by being in your hip sockets, you may be able to feel the internal space of your upper thighs from the hip sockets and the internal space of your lower torso at the same time. So you're living in that transition between your legs and your torso. Balance your awareness of the space inside both hip sockets. Find them both at the same time. And if you can, let yourself experience the absolute stillness of the balanced mind. And at the same time, experiencing the movement of your breath. So the mind is still and balanced, and the breath is moving. And now inhabit your whole torso, your whole pelvis, your midsection, and your chest. All the way through front to back, all the way out to the sides. And letting yourself internally settle within your whole torso. So you're resting there. Right, and you're bringing your breath down into your torso. Feel that you're inside your shoulders and your arms and your hands, all the way to your fingertips. 
so that you're really present there. And they feel like your arms, your hands. And let yourself experience that you're living inside your neck. All the way down to your collarbones. And take a moment to really experience yourself there. And now feel that you're inside your whole head, your whole face. See if you can inhabit your whole face all the way down to the jaw, your ears, and your whole brain. And now feel that you inhabit your whole body all at once. Right? If we say that the body is the temple, then you have your own temple to sit inside with nothing left out. And continuing to breathe. Now find the space outside your body, the space in the room. And feel that the space inside your body and outside your body is the same continuous space pervading you. You're still in your body, but you're permeable. The space inside and outside is the same. Feels like you're made of that space of fundamental consciousness. And if you can, let yourself feel that you are that space. You are that consciousness. If your eyes are closed, open them. And with your eyes open, once again, feel that you're in your whole body. And that the space inside and outside your body is the same continuous space. You're made of that consciousness. And now let yourself experience that the space that pervades you pervades everything in your environment. And you might just choose one thing in your environment. It might be easier. Space pervades you, and your environment pervades you and that one object. So both you and everything around you is made of this space. Take a moment to let the space do the hearing. Let the space do the seeing. And of course, we are the space. So we are seeing and hearing as that pervasive space. Okay, good. And relax. Thank you, everybody. (laughs) Uh, Exquisite. (laughs) I feel the joy of that. I'm very grateful for you taking us through that experience. Yeah. (laughs) and um, interestingly noticing also the sort of streaming energy up my body from my feet i left that i left that part out that's a more advanced level of the exercise yes we do we work with that upward current yeah one important thing about this work to mention is that we can attune to ourselves as physical matter we can attune to ourselves as energy and we can attune to ourselves as this ground of fundamental consciousness. But when we know ourselves as the ground, we get to the most subtle level of our energy system. So we're basically experiencing ourselves as the stillness of fundamental consciousness and as that subtle streaming of energy at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, nice. I think that's, again, these, I, I love these nuanced um, pointings out of, of our experience, you know, because then we can go and, and find that ourselves. Yes, so, that's right. Um, is there anything you'd like to share other than that as we, we close? I'm going to invite you to share where we can find 
uh, more about your work, of course, but is there anything you would like to share with our audience as a closing statement? So it sounds very grand, you know, <laughs> you like to make a closing statement, but I don't I know. Know. <laughs> well, I don't think I've reached the point in my life to make a closing statement, but <laughs> yeah. I'm very glad to have spent this time with, with you, Joel. And I can even, I think I can even feel these other wonderful presences mm. that are going to be uh, listening. So I'm very glad for this chance. Mm -hmm. um, yes, uh, if you want to know more about the realization process, then uh, simply go to the website. It's realizationprocess.org. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. And I can also highly recommend um, Trauma and the Unbound Body. And I know you have several other books, but I, yes. I really enjoyed that. So thanks, Judith. Thanks so much. Hi, it's me again. We're at the end of the podcast. And I just want to say again, if you enjoyed this podcast, I'd really appreciate it, it if you'd share it. You can do that at coachesrising.com forward slash, slash podcast. On the Judith's page, you'll find share buttons. And if you leave a review, I'd appreciate that too. It helps us get the word out. And uh, again, just to mention that the Neuroscience of Change early bird will be coming around in a few days. If you're excited to to learn about how to apply the latest findings in neuroscience to kind of tune up your coaching to really kind of um, be effective at making change happen, helping change happen, then you can find out more by going to our website, coachesrising.com forward slash neuroscience of change. Just put your name in the sign up box there. You'll, you'll be in the loop about that. All right. Again, have a great summer. I hope you're doing well. I hope you get some um, some regenerative time this summer. And we'll be back again in September with more podcasts. So until then, be well. 